0: write these inspired words gave their lives Lord God but above all Lord Jesus you gave your life for us sent your spirit to fill us and empower us that we may live out this word and so Lord as we look on your word this morning Lord God Father it is not just something for today my God but it is something that I believe needs to propel us Not for just this year, but Lord God, for the rest of our lives, dear Lord. Father, we ought to be stretching continually, Lord God. Growing in faith, growing in power, growing in intimacy, growing in revelation from you and with you, God. Father, we are not called, Lord, to be stagnant and still. And so, God, today I pray that as you have been challenging me, Lord God, As you have been stretching me and dealing with my heart, Father God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give every one of us in this place ears to hear what your Spirit is saying to your church, my God. Father, that we may obey your truth, that we may carry out your purposes. Father, we thank you so much for your grace that is the reason why we're here. For your grace that will enable us to live out your commands. Father, we give you glory. We give you honor today. Speak to us. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. You should be receiving later on today if you have not already, but you should be receiving the newsletter for the the news link for the month of January and the, from the desk of, there's something that you will find in there, and it is where I'm confirming what I'm going to preach this morning, where I'm sharing how it is God calling us, not me, not, 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 not a man, not any particular movement or whatever the case is, but it is God Almighty who is calling the church and has been calling the church for some time now to another level. Part of the reason that we are not there is because there is some renewing that must take place within our hearts and within our minds. There's something that I, we, we've taught here from the beginning of this church, and it is that God is a God of order, and that when you and I, align ourselves with the order of God, which is found clearly in the commands and in the word of God, as we align ourselves with that order, then we become vessels through which the glory of God can manifest. We become vessels through which the fullness of God can manifest because God, in the beginning, or or, or in the book of Exodus, he speaks to Moses, gives Moses a pattern. He tells Moses how he is supposed to do it. And when Moses builds the temple according to the pattern of God, the order of God, All of a sudden something occurs and it is that the glory of God descends from heaven and manifests in the earth And you see the same thing occurring in the New Testament in the book of Acts chapter 2 Which is what we've been talking about and what I've been continually trying to remind you of but you find that Jesus Clearly gives commandments to his disciples and he tells them he says first of all You are going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and in all Samaria He tells them but wait in Jerusalem until what until you are endued with power and then go forward and do what witness and testify of my resurrection power speak the gospel to lies and bring people into the kingdom of God and then when we see through the book of Acts is that they did what Jesus said they did what they prayed and they sought the Lord and because they prayed and they sought God's face God responded to them in his time and he descends with power in his spirit the glory of God descends upon them but we don't see it end there in the upper room we don't see it end there with the first message that Peter preached but you go throughout the gospel I I mean throughout the book of Acts and you find a continual manifestation of God's presence in every city where the church was found you see a continual adding unto the church and adding unto the Lord in every city where the church was and why is that because they were operating in obedience they were doing what the scripture said to do and so what was happening was they were walking in order and in alignment with God and his glory began to manifest you see but here's the reality and I know this is gonna be a little rough glory to God but it's all right look at your name and say neighbor get ready because this might hurt but no pain no gain glory to God Many of us have become comfortable right where we are. There is no urgency burning in our hearts to move to action in any specific manner. Ouch. Hallelujah. Help us, Holy Ghost. So when we hear this thing that Bishop says or that someone prays in the church about another level, we may concur with a nod or with an amen, but in our heart of hearts, we're good right where we are. Mm-hmm It's time for another level amen, hallelujah glory to God But the question is in our heart of hearts See when you heard in here in a prayer meeting or wherever that it was time for another level. What did you do? Did you start praying a little bit more intensely? Did you start digging into that word a little bit more diligently did you, did you decide, you know what, God, it's time for another level, and I hear you calling me, and so you know what, I'm going to separate this day of fasting unto you. Did you do any of that, church? I'm not asking you to raise your hand, glory to God, because I'm sure some of you did, but I'm sure there's some of you, because I know God is speaking to us, amen. I, I, I'm sure there were some of you that said, yes, Lord, take us to another level, but that's exactly what we said, take us. In other words, Lord, grab me like a rebellious little kid Throwing himself on the floor because he don't want to listen to daddy. And yoke him up. Yoke me up, Lord. Mm-hmm. I've never seen that in a supermarket somewhere. I know that ain't none of your children. Glory to God. But you know, someone's children's, someone's child, acting foolish like that. Throwing himself on the floor, kicking and screaming. And what happens? Daddy or mommy, someone comes over there. Glory to God. Yoke him up. Hallelujah. Grab that boy. What's wrong with you? Wait till I get you to the house. Mm -hmm. Some of y'all didn't even make it to the car in the parking lot. Glory to God. Almost went to jail. But listen, listen, listen. It's all right. You saved today. Hallelujah. God's mercy endureth forever. But that's how some of us are, church. We are waiting for God to yoke us up and take us to another level. And I want you to know that that's not how it's going to happen. It's not going to happen that we're going to feel so good that we're just all of a sudden going to just start running after him. No, 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 no. We are going to have to respond to the Lord and say, God, it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. But you know what? I'm going to move forward. You see, but many of us, like I said, we're comfortable. We're good right where we are. I I don't need that much more of God. I may need a little bit more blessing. Right, Jimmy? Hallelujah. Glory to God. I might need a little more blessing, but, I, but, but, but you know, I, I don't got to go to a whole nother level. Church, we got a whole bunch of levels to go to get back to the glory that once dwelt in the earth in this thing called the church. Not just a level. See, because when I, when, when, when I used to say, Lord, it's time for another level, you know, I was, and I have to be very honest with you, I knew that it was another level of revelation. I knew that it was another level of intimacy, but you know what? I didn't understand that the next level before all of that stuff there is brokenness and consecration and separation to the Lord. And you're like, Bishop, how did you not know that? Listen to me, listen to me. Because I thought, just like many other believers, I'm okay right where I am. God has given me a prophetic word, and he's saying, come on, we're going to go to another level. I don't know if you remember a long time ago, a couple of years ago, Pastor Janice Stringer, she came and um, she preached here, and she talked about this place called the Threshold Church, and when she talked about the Threshold, she explained something that it stuck with me. I have have it on, 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 on CD, and if you don't have the message, you can get it, but she spoke about this threshold, and she said that that threshold was a place. And I remember she was talking about the Greek or the Hebrew, and she said that it was the word that had that, that symbolized a python grip on, on whoever's trying to move to that next level. And here's what I understood. What I understood that day is I said, man, you know, we, 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 we got we to press through. And I said, okay, we'll praise harder. No. Maybe we'll memorize a couple more scriptures. And... Maybe we'll get together a little bit earlier to pray on Sunday. said, but so what I understood is that God is calling his people who really want that next level, that next glory, that next faith, that next strength, that next power to say, you know what, God, it's not just about what we do on a Sunday or a Wednesday or a Friday but it is about what I do Sunday through Saturday. It is about where am I breaking through that python grip that the enemy has holding us back. Listen to me, church. The enemy wants to keep us there at the threshold, looking at the next level, looking over there and saying, man, it's going to be nice over there, but saying, but it's okay right here. See, because here's the truth. The truth is that not many of us Want to go through the hell, hear what I said. Hell, I'm not cursing. Now, listen the hell that you have to go through laying down your flesh. How about this one? Getting over yourself. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's a lot of hell, glory to God. Because some of us got a lot of self to get over. Hello. Some of us got a lot of me that I got to deal with, and that is the hindrance. For me being able to get to that next level because I desire this. I like this. I enjoy this. And you know what? And then we go ahead and we say, well, you know, it's okay to do this. And, and, you know, we, and, and I know y'all can hear it in my voice. I'm, I'm going there. But, you know, we talk about you know, are watching movies okay? Is watching television okay? Is listening to music all right? Blah, 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 blah. Listen, 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 listen. Can I just tell you something? If any of it takes you away from the presence of God, it's wrong. Did you hear me? If any of it is more important to you than God, it is wrong. Let me give you a testimony. When I first got saved, I told y'all when I gave my life to the Lord, radical conversion, God dealt with me and just, just mightily started. I mean, I was in the room praying, reading the word. Well, at that time, I used to like a show called Martin. I don't know if any of y'all remember that show, what's up? But anyway, I remember I was sitting in my bedroom, Bible on my lap, reading through my scriptures was nowhere near the end of the chapter I was on. I heard the TV in the living room. What's up? You know what I started doing? I started rushing through my reading because I said, I know I got to comply with God. I know I got to finish my reading. I can't get up in the middle of this text. Not realizing that the moment I started thinking about that, I had gotten up from the middle of the text in God's eyes. Finished through the text, got through it, got up, went out to the living room. I remember my mom, she, she said, you know, she had dinner ready. Big old plate of food, glory to God, my favorite food in front of me. And I sat down in front of the TV, and I took the first bite, and my appetite was gone. I felt so grieved. And it was that day that I said, you know what? No more Martin for me. Why? Why? Because Martin was sinful? Yeah, there are some shows that are more sinful than others. There are some shows that are more offensive than others. But here's the reason why. Because that was something that I walked away from the presence of God for. That was something at that moment that became more valuable to me than looking into God's word and hearing God's heart. Listen to me, church. We serve a jealous God. And when I say jealous, I do not mean that he's looking at you envying you because that's what Oprah Winfrey thinks. That is not what I mean when I say jealous. Hello, somebody. Go to YouTube and you'll find out that's exactly what she thinks. Listen to me, church. It is not that God is jealous and envious of you it is that God is passionately committed to your well-being to your salvation he is passionately committed to you living in the fullness of his blessing and his will and he de- and he desires that every one of us would see that fullness but he knows that if we do not walk according to his pattern his glory and his blessing cannot flow into our lives the way he desires that's what it means that he's jealous. Like a parent that is, that, that, is, that is jealous for their children, not wanting their children to suffer any harm that is unnecessary. That is the jealousy that our God has for us. He's in love with you. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. God is in love with you. Did you know that? Hallelujah. He's in love with you. He's in love with me. He's in love with this lost world. Hello, glory to God. The main issue, the main issue with this kind of mentality is that it leaves no room for God to take us higher in our walk with him. We become brittle. We become inflexible. We become irresponsive to the voice of the Lord, church. When we have this mentality that I'm okay where I'm at, Maybe someone else needs to go to another level, but I'm good right where I am. We become inflexible. We hear God's word. It doesn't do anything to our hearts. We think, yeah, you know, that's good, but I'm okay. Listen, we're not okay, church. If we read through the Gospels, we read through the book of Acts, we read throughout, just go through the New Testament, and we see what is said in this New Testament that God is speaking to us after the cross. Amen? We look at that. And we will see that we are not okay, that we have a long way to go. And that's where I want to go. I don't know about you, glory to God. We must, we must, we must, we must make room for God if we're going to see him move in this earth. The first thing I want you to repeat after me is say this. Religious minds, leave us the wrong kind of holy. The first portion of the scripture here. And I want you to notice if you read chapter 9, you will find that Jesus is sitting down at a meal with Matthew and all of his friends. For those of you that have been through the Becoming a Contagious Christian, he was sitting down at the Matthew party. All these sinners, these other tax collectors, these other ungodly people were at this dinner. Jesus walked by, saw, saw Matthew sitting down at the tax collector office, and he tells him, you follow me. Matthew drops whatever he's doing, gets up, begins to follow Christ. Christ is sitting down at the table there with them eating. And then all of a sudden the Pharisees come over there and they say to him, why is it that you're eating with these sinners? And Jesus communicates to them and says, listen, it is not those who are well that need a physician, but it is the sick I came to seek and to save that which was lost. So right away, their religious mindset is hindering them from reaching this community that needs God. And so we continue on in the story and we come to the portion where we are at now the bible says that not just the pharisees but that john's disciples Now, this is a big implication here because it goes to show you that you can have a revelation and become religiously minded you can have a revelation and get off on the wrong track if you don't stay connected to christ because it wasn't just the pharisees now but john's disciples come to him And they say, listen, why is it that the Pharisees fast and we fast, but your disciples are not fasting? Now think about it for a moment. What are they doing? They are interrupting an evangelistic moment. They are interrupting an opportunity for these unsaved people to be delivered from their sin to talk about religion. You understand that that's what's going on here? Jesus says to them, so listen, while the bridegroom is with the sons of the bridegroom, when, when he's with them, they can't mourn. They have to rejoice because the bridegroom is there. In other words, Jesus is telling them, He's talking to John. Remember, remember who remember you got to think about who John the Baptist is. John the Baptist is the one who is pointing to Jesus the whole time. If there's anybody that should have known, follow his example, it should have been John's disciples. But even they had become bound up in religion, which was hindering them from seeing the opportunity. They were caught up in the ceremonial fast, which shows us that fasting just to fast is no good, church. Fasting just because you heard someone talk about fasting, it is no good. It can become religious, and it becomes artificial in the sight of God. Hello? They come to him. They ask him this question. He answers them, and then he goes on in verse 16, and he says this. He says, no one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Now, the old garment symbolizes this old religious system. Now, you got to stay with me here. The, the old garment there is this old religious system that they are following, this old covenant that they have been walking. And he says, nobody takes a new garment, unshrunk here, but a new, gar- a new garment, a new piece of cloth, and patches the whole. Because here's what happens. Religion gets boring, hello? Rituals become boring when there's no revelation. And so what happens? It gets worn out. And for those of us who have had jeans, shirts, that were our favorite shirt, I don't know if you noticed, but after a couple of years, at least in my case anyway, suddenly this shirt, Well, these pants, glory to God, they begin to develop a hole. They become worn. And I have a choice. I can go and buy a new pair of pants or a new shirt, or I can patch it up. See, we have something that they didn't have back then. We have pre-shrunk patches, glory to God. So they're not going to shrink when you wash them. But see, that wasn't the case in that day there. And so Jesus says, listen, if you put this patch on that hole, in other words, if you take this gospel revelation that I'm trying to give to them and you try to patch up the hole, you know what's going to happen? It is going to tear away from, the, tear away from that, that garment and it's going to make the hole worse. Remember I said it leaves us the wrong kind of holy. It leaves us empty instead of full. See, that's what religion tries to do, church. Tries to just patch up the holes. But Jesus came to give us wholeness. Jesus came not to just fix us for the moment, but to fix us for eternity. Jesus came to fix us so that way we would be able to offer life to who? The lifeless. But the disciples of John and the Pharisees, they come and they say, hey, we're over here fasting, we're consecrated, we're holy, we're living righteous. We're in, 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 our, in, in our day, you know, and, and, and for some of us that, you know, come from the Pentecostal church, glory to God, we don't go to movies, we don't cut our hair, we don't shave hair anywhere, we don't put on deodorant, glory to God. <laughs> <laughs> we don't utilize makeup, praise the name of the Lord. I heard of one church that they don't wear red, glory to God, because it's a provocative color, glory to his name. We're sanctified. (laughs) Just crazy church, crazy, crazy glory to God. But you know what I can tell you? Can can, 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 can I just say something? Because I know we always get on the Pentecostal church. Can I just tell you the honest truth? And all of their ignorance in those areas, they were doing it, and some of them still do it. Because they desperately want God. And you know what? While we laugh at them, I can applaud them because at least they're doing something to try to have the presence of the Lord. Now, is it right? Of course not. When I come in here and say, we can't wear red and you got to, you know, y'all will leave me. Glory to God. Be like, Bishop, we love you. We appreciate you. But we're going to find somewhere else where we can live. Hallelujah. In red. But these people come and they have this religious mindset. And the one thing I want you to understand, church, is that when you meet Jesus, when you have an encounter with him and you submit your life to him, you have been endued with all of the essentials that you need. And can I tell you something? The worst thing for newborn babes in Christ sometimes is the fathers of the faith, those know-it-all Christians. What do you mean, Bishop? Because what they end up trying to do is they end up trying to make you look like them, look like their group, rather than looking like Christ. They want you to believe like they believe instead of believing what God's Word says. If there's one thing that I can thank the Lord for is that when I got saved, I didn't have, you know, somebody just up, up in my face telling me this was this and that was that. Yeah, I had correction because I needed some glory to God. Hallelujah. But I didn't have somebody sitting there saying, okay, when you read this, this is what that means. This is, no, no. You know what I had? I had the Holy Ghost dealing with me. Showing me how to live righteously, showing me how to grow in my faith, showing me how to minister to other people, showing me what the truth was. And that is what needs to happen. See, because here's the problem. The problem is that when I come to Jesus, I'm either going to get the direct revelation from him or it is going to be twisted and perverted by man. And then I'm going to view everything from the wrong way rather than from the kingdom perspective that God wants us to see. This world and this life. And so sometimes, sometimes, the worst for newborn Christians that have all the essentials, these disciples, they didn't need to go into this fasting then, they needed to walk with Jesus. They needed to serve under Christ. They needed to know Him. And that way they would be able to bring life to Jerusalem and through all of the world. So they had this opportunity to walk. And here's the thing religious people are always looking for ways to patch things up. Yet the patches that are prescribed by men will only leave us dependent upon another patch. Christ came to renew us and create wholeness in our lives. You see, when I try to do all of these religious things, church, what ends up happening is I end up fixing this for now. But like I said before, God wants to fix you for eternity. I said it a couple of weeks ago. God God doesn't want to just fix the problem that you're facing. God wants to fix you, and that way you won't go through that problem again. Hello? He wants to deal with us and make us the men and the women of God that we're called to be. Say this with me. Religious mindsets. Leave God out rather than bring him in. Sometimes our greatest efforts to be righteous and please the Lord are tempered with legalism that inevitably make us too rigid to truly house the movement of God. In verse 17, Jesus goes on to say, Nor do they put new wine into old wineskins. And so now again, we have this example. The old wineskins are this old legalistic system in which the people were living in that day, trying to please God, trying to do everything they thought was right they got caught up in the wrong thing they were caught up in the ritual rather and rather than in the heart of what they were doing they were caught up in doing all of the external things rather than worrying about where their heart was in relation to God and so they were trying to carry this 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 or they were trying to please the Lord and so Jesus goes on and he says no one takes this new wine this fresh revelation." and pours it into old wine skins. No one one takes this new life and pours it into these old wine skins that are not going to be able to sustain this and hold this, and what, what does he say? He says, or else the wine skins break, the wine is spilled, and the wine skins are ruined. I love that there. He didn't say that the wine was just wasted. He said the wine skins were ruined. is that important for us? Because it shows us that God wants to deal with the wineskins. He doesn't want me, he doesn't want you to burst under the pressure. He doesn't want to destroy because a lot of times we think that, you know, God wants to destroy his church or God wants to destroy his people. God doesn't want to destroy anything. What God wants to do is he wants to renew it. He wants to revive it. And what God is looking for, church, is he is looking for a place to pour out his spirit. He is looking for a place that he can deposit his glory and his greatness. He is looking or searching for a people who will grow with him. You see, what we know, and I know that most of you know um, a whole bunch of stuff about the wineskins, and we realize that back in those days, you know, they they were living in very arid and desert places, and they didn't have, you know, bottles. They couldn't go, you know, to the store. They didn't have Zephyr Hills and all that kind of stuff, y'all. And so they had to carry, whether it was wine, whether it was water, water, whether it was milk, whatever it was, they had to carry it in something. And so they would take these wineskins, they would take these animals, and after they would strip them bare and they would condition them, they would take them, and then what they would do is they would sew them up, and then they would pour the liquid inside of them. And then that's the way that they carried it. So you got to think about this. Wineskins were very important to the people back then because if they didn't have those wineskins, you know what that meant? That meant that they weren't going to have anything to quench their thirst. Hello. Very important stuff. But the way that they kept those wineskins from getting dry in those areas was they used to lather them in grease or oil. And that way, the wineskins wouldn't get dry. That way, the arid, the, 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 the arid air that was there, that was so dry, it wasn't like Florida that is just, you know, so humid. Glory to God. Hello. Like Arizona somewhere, you know, just dry, dry, dry. And so that way, this didn't happen. They would keep it with that. So what does that mean for us? Well, first of all, first of all, what we've got to do to make sure that we don't become inflexible, that we don't become dried up, is we've got to make sure that we remain in Christ, who is the anointing, that we remain in his word which is the truth, that we remain in his spirit, that we remain in him so that way we can be able to handle and we can be able to grow with God. And when God calls us to stretch, we can stretch because we're not brittle. Hello because we are still flexible because we still want. See, what what happens to us is that we get to a place many times in our lives and we think that we have arrived. We've memorized so many scriptures. We know so many doctrines. We've done all of these wonderful things. And now we have all of this knowledge and we feel like, okay, you know, I pray enough. Listen, church, it should never be enough. There should be a growing desperation for God within your heart that continues to grow Day in and day out, you should never feel that you have arrived because if you feel that you have arrived, you feel that you're okay where you are. Listen, this message is for you more than anyone else in this place. You feel like I'm good and I don't have anywhere to grow and I don't have anywhere to stretch. The devil is a liar. You need to stretch after God. You need to stretch after what God wants. You need to run after him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. God is looking for a place where he can pour out his spirit and he can do great and mighty things things but we have got to be able and we have got to be willing church to grow with him we've got to be able to remain elastic like as God moves as we go through whatever we're going through as we face whatever we're facing I want you to turn with me really quickly to the book of Psalms 119 please Psalm 119, and we can begin reading in verse 81. You got to say amen. And it says in this psalmist, the psalmist is speaking to us and he's saying, or speaking to God, he's saying, My soul faints for your salvation, but I hope in your word. My eyes fail from searching your word, saying, When will you comfort me? For I have become like a wineskin in smoke, yet I do not forget your statutes. How many are the days of your servant? when will you execute judgment on those who persecute me the proud have dug pits for me which is not according to your law all your commandments are faithful they persecute me wrongly help me they almost made an end of me on the earth but I did not forget your precepts precepts revive me according to your loving kindness so that I may keep the testimony of your mouth now I want you to know that the person who wrote this psalm I'm not exactly sure who it was but the person who wrote this psalm um, he was, was, was a person who loved God's word, passionate about the word of God passionate about about obeying and about living out the commandments of the Lord. He communicates. You read throughout Psalm 119, the longest psalm there is, and you will find there is so much wealth there of how we should be passionate about the word of the Lord. So this was not a person who wasn't passionate about God. This was not a person who was not passionate about his word. But he says something in verse 83. He says, "For I have become like a wineskin in smoke." And I want you to repeat this with me. Religious mindsets are the product of dwelling in deception and affliction. In this particular psalm here, we find this psalmist is being afflicted. He's being afflicted in an unjust manner. He is going through something that he doesn't deserve. People are against him that shouldn't be against him. And he is trusting and he is hoping in God's word. And the reason that he is feeling the way that he feels, he feels broken. He feels dry. He feels arid. He feels like he can't do it anymore. It's because he hasn't seen the fulfillment of God's word in his life. And it is the same way with us. When we go through difficult situations, when we go through hardship, when we go through Trial, we end up finding ourselves I don't know about you, but I know about me Where we get to our wits end, where we get to the place where we feel like we cannot anymore, we cannot continue on we cannot go any more further forward, we need God to help us and we cry out the same way that he does, but I want you to realize church this psalmist didn't give up, he didn't say well you know what, I prayed I, I-, I poured out my heart before the Lord this psalmist continued to trust in the word of God but I want you to know something, that religious mindsets that end up making us this way is not just the afflictions we go through because a lot of times the afflictions that we go through are the product of the deceptions that we have been believing. See, many times we go through difficulty because we have believed lies. And I want to say this to you from the depth of my heart. The half-truths that are being presented and being being given from pulpits throughout the United States have produced in the church the most dangerous mentality of all. And that is a settling mentality. What do you mean, Bishop? What I mean is that we have been taught to settle for the big house. We we, We have been taught to settle for the nice car. We have been taught to settle for the peace in our home we have been taught to settle for feeling God's presence in our churches or in our prayer closets we have been taught to settle for memorizing so many scriptures we have been taught to settle and I've said this and I hope that this is not where your faith has ended but we have been taught to settle for reading three chapters a day to read the Bible in a year church I want you to know that we cannot settle we have got to be a people who rise up and say God we want more of you we are not going to settle for anything other than seeing your glory in this earth. We are not going to settle for anything less than the fullness of what you have. You see, because if you're reading those three chapters a day so you can get throughout the Bible, you will realize that when you read in through this New Testament, you see a glory and you see a power. When Jesus walked on this earth, the power of God manifested through him. He walked in this earth and the scripture says that he gives this parable and he says that when when when, when, when a strong man is bound it is at that time that we are able to see this deliverance and I'm paraphrasing I messed it all up but listen to me what would happen is I glory to God but when Jesus was communicating he was sharing with the people and he said listen he said when 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 someone is going to go into someone else's house and he is going to take away from them all of their goods the first thing that has to happen is the strong man of the house must be bound Because they were accusing him of doing miracles by Beelzebub. They were accusing him of not being filled with the Spirit of God. They were saying things that weren't true. And Jesus says, listen, when when someone is going to come and plunder that house, the strong man has to be bound. What was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying, I entered into the city, I entered into this region, and the strong man was bound because of what? Because Jesus was a man that was praying and seeking the face of his father. Hello. Jesus went into the city and he did what the Bible says they were coming out of their boat going to Gennesaret and what does the scripture say the scripture says that there was this man that was bound in chains that he was naked in the tombs y'all and this guy they couldn't bind him with the chains and he came out running and he cried out son of God and he and the scripture says that he bowed down to worship and then he said have you come to torment me because of what because the presence and power of God was so great and so mighty upon Jesus that what happened was demons trembled in his presence church I want you to know something very few demons are trembling nowadays very few demons are trembling why because we've settled because we've gone ahead and we've taken and I'm gonna say it like this in all the arenas of church we have taken and we've settled for what We've settled for the standards of the world and we've said, hey, it's good. Let me give you an example because I know I already talked to you about the houses and the cars and the feeling God. But you know what? When it comes to churches, you know, like the, the, the structure and all that kind of stuff and the body, you know how we measure stuff? We measure stuff with the ABCs and we talk about the amount of people that we have in the church. If You got a lot of people Doing good. We look at the buildings. You got buildings? Doing good. Faith don't, we're doing horrible. We don't have a lot of people, and we don't own our own building yet, so we're doing bad according to the standards of men. And then the C, the cash flow. Where do we get those standards from, church? Oh, I know, I know the, 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 the religious minds of our day, they went into our Bibles and they found some scriptures that could, that, that, that could clearly communicate that this is how you measure stuff. Hold on a second. You know how I want to measure church? I want to measure church by how many lives we're touching when we leave this place. I want to measure church by how many people show up to prayer meetings. That's how I want to measure church. I want to measure church based on how effective we are being and obeying the heart of God. That's how we measure church. See, because what I realize is that we have begun to settle. And what we have done by settling church is we have become brittle. We have become dry. Like he says here in verse 83, like the wineskin and the smoke. And you see, there's something that you got to understand about these wineskins and the smoke. It goes back to what I said in the beginning about sometimes the know-it-all Christians who know everything and want everyone to believe how they believe. The issue is this. The smoke they would utilize to make the wine taste a certain way. So what they did was they took the wineskin while it was fermenting. Remember, you pour the wine in there, start stretching the wineskin. And so what they would do, they wanted it to taste a certain way. It's kind of like us. You know, we go ahead and, you know, you have different things that you do when you're going to barbecue and you want something to taste a certain way. You use a certain type of fuel there. And so it was the same situation, same exact scenario. They would go ahead, take the wineskin, hang it over the smoke. The smoke would be there. And what would happen is, as it was growing, it would ferment. But you know what the smoke would do? The smoke would dry out the wineskin faster than normal. Again, we go back to looking at things, not the way the scriptures show us to look at them. And then what happens to us is we end up giving in to a lifeless gospel message. Listen, I hate to even have to say this, but to make the point clear, I listened to a a, a television broadcast the other day. I think it was on TBN. It may have been another channel. And they were interviewing this particular pastor. And I remember that as they were interviewing this, this particular minister, they began to say, they were pointing out, you know, we know that you get a lot of flack, you know, and stuff like that. And they said, but we want to do this show so that way people can see and experience the greatness of your church. And they showed a clip of an Easter Sunday. Beautiful. Worship. I mean, it was just off the chain. I mean, they, they did some harmonies. I mean, it was just ridiculous. Beautiful singing. Amazing grace. Just awesome. The Pastor gets up there. Begins to pray, because that's all he was going to do. He wasn't going to preach. He was just going to pray, which is, which is okay. You know, I don't have an issue with that. I do that all the time. Gets up there, begins to pray. Now we are talking about Easter Sunday, church. And as he begins to pray, I'm listening to him. I'm, I'm like, yes, praise the Lord. He's going to get up there and pray. And begins to say, Lord, we thank you because we're free. And I say, glory to God. Jesus came to set the captives free. Hallelujah. Began to communicate in his prayer to the Lord God, we thank you because we're free from depression. We're free from discouragement. We're free from low self esteem. We're free. We're free. And went through all of these things that we're free from. We're free from poverty. We're free from lack. Never once, church, did he say we're free from sin. My issue with that is the only reason why you're free from depression is because you're free from sin. The only reason why you are free from poverty is because you're free from sin. The only reason why you are free from sickness is because you are free from sin. The only reason why you are free from anything that you are free from, it all starts with being free from sin, church. And we have got to understand that the gospel message that we are hearing nowadays is not saving people. It is not delivering people. It is filling buildings. It is getting ratings all over the charts on television. But it is not delivering souls the way that the first church was bringing deliverance to souls. Read the messages. Just read through them. They're not very long. They're a lot lot more short-winded than me, glory to God. You can read them in about five, 10 minutes, and you will see how they communicate clearly what the issue is. That Jesus was nailed to that cross, and that way we could be saved because the Jews were not paying attention. They weren't seeing that this was the Savior, this was the Messiah, and their blood, his blood was on their hands. This is what they're communicating. They're not talking about, hey, God wants to free you from, self, from low self-esteem today. Listen, church, we have settled, and I don't know about you, but I refuse to settle anymore. I refuse to settle in any area because what we need is a people who will look at this holy book once again with new eyes and believe what it says and believe that what it says and what it shows can be again, and not only that, but that they are desperate and unrelenting in their pursuit of God until they see the glory of God fill the earth. This is what has to happen in the days in which we live that we become a people who take this word literally and take this word seriously, and we say, God. You said in the book of Hebrews, and I love the book of Hebrews because it communicates a scripture that I don't know if we know what we're saying when we say it, but we say this all the time, Lord, you are the same today, yesterday, and forevermore, right? We pray that scripture, Lord, you don't change, but you know what it says? Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday. And forevermore. And so you know what that means, church? The same Jesus that walked through Nazareth. The same Jesus that walked through Jerusalem. The same Jesus that we see manifested in the book of Revelation. Guess what? He's the same today as he was then. He wants to move in this earth the same way he did and even more mightily today. Today. The question is, are we willing to stretch? The question is, are we willing to get out of our comfort zones? See, here's what the meaning of new cloths and new wineskins are. It simply means a new heart. It means a renewed heart. And so the questions that we have to ask ourselves is, where is it that I've been settling? Where is it? that I've been patching up stuff that God wants to fix for good? Where is it that I have been allowing myself to try to carry the glory of God on my religious activities and in my own abilities? And you know what, when we recognize those things, don't just recognize it and say, yes, Lord, I recognize it. Repent from it and say, God, I'm not going to settle with just the, okay, Lord, I've tried to, you know, I've tried to do it this way. I've, I've, you know, I've, I've been, no, 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 no. But turning your heart, turning your mind to him and saying, God, here I am. See, church, our vitality in society will only increase as our intimacy with the Almighty increases. And as our intimacy with him increases, that will cause our flesh to die. It will cause our minds and our hearts to be renewed, and we will come into alignment with God's kingdom agenda in every area of our lives. And today, today, my challenge for you, church, is simple. It's let's stretch together. Let's stretch in prayer and in intercession. Let's just start there. See, because if we try to do it anywhere else, if we try to get up and we try to get all emotional and all excited and do it and all listen listen it is gonna burn out real quick. But if we will purpose in our hearts to say, God, I want to stretch in prayer. I want to stretch as a person who seeks your face. Then what will begin to happen is he will begin to fill you with what is necessary. He will begin to fill you with his spirit again. He will begin to overflow your life so that way you can stretch in faith as you evangelize the lost. Hello. See, because we don't want to just start stretching, get all stretched out in a prayer closet. Glory to God. But we want to make sure that we make it out of the prayer closet into the streets with all of that glory that we've received from the king of glory. We want to stretch with an absolutely unreserved obedience to God's written right here. His written will and to his revealed will. What is his revealed will? Well, he speaks to us. He didn't stop speaking. He is still speaking. And when he communicates to you to do this or to do that, that you say, Lord, here I am. Everybody stand to your feet, please, and bow your heads.